Please be seated. This Gospel of Mark's that we've been considering all summer and all fall, it certainly has its own character. These stories crackle with raw emotion and stern admonition. They don't seem to be prettied up or refined. They're dusty and creaky like old saddle leather. They're quirky and corny and deliberate. They remind me of my old mix master that I have at home. It's got that spinning bowl and there's weird settings on it like juicing and fruit cakes and more pulp. But the stories work just as well as the mix master. In fact, they work very well. Mark sets down the narrative of Jesus' life and ministry the way he thinks we might just be able to hear it with lots of symbolism and movement and urgency. Today's story, in particular, has the feel of a legend. Memorable names and timeless actions. What do you want me to do for you, Bartimaeus? Immediately he regained his sight and followed Jesus on the way. Scholars and preachers, they argue about whether Bartimaeus means son of honor or son of misery, impurity. And so we talk about him as the honorable example of what we should do or as a wretched fellow whom Jesus must help before he can do anything else. But either way, we get that we are supposed to pay close attention. Something bigger than just a routine healing is going on here, if there is such a thing. And, and that word immediately comes up dozens of times in Mark's gospel. For the King James Version, they translated it straightway, straightway this and straightway that. Straightway, he regained his sight and followed Jesus on the way. It's storytelling with an urgent purpose. The way was the name given to the following of Jesus before the word Christian ever came into use. And this is a vibrant and iconic story, an Aesop's fable after a triple macchiato. Jesus is moving towards his destiny in Jerusalem. Last week, Carl was talking about the first steps of that last earthly journey, and today we hear that the road goes through Jericho. Crowds of pilgrims headed for Jerusalem are beginning to build. Straightway, a loud voice is heard above that dusty throng. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the storyteller, the narrator, lets us know that this might be an unnecessary and distracting digression. The townspeople tell Bartimaeus to shut up. What is Mark, the evangelist, saying to us here? We've already seen plenty of healing. We've heard plenty of teachings. We get it. Why, why do we have to stop? Just stop. Whatever we're doing, and pay attention to this guy. Either he's a son of misery, or calling him a son of honor is a big joke here. We need to get to Jerusalem for the real action there. Get down, beggar. The man's got things to do more important than dealing with you. I heard a story told by Otis Moss the other day. He's a famous preacher from Chicago about his childhood growing up on Chicago's south side streets. And in his neighborhood, there was a uh, basketball court for the big boys and there was one for the, the little boys, and only some combination of death or moving or injury or luck or something would ever get a chance to move up to the big boys' court. Jesus is going to Jerusalem to play on the big boys' court. Why? Why would he stop 
here in Jericho to play a game of horse on the little boy's court with some blind beggar with a funny name. Who is this Bartimaeus, anyway, this honorable son of misery? Jesus has been getting famous, dealing with rich men and veteran disciples, talking about the kingdom. What catches his attention? Perhaps it is that raw cry of desire. You have what I want. That moves the Son of God. And for the first time, Jesus answers to the name of a king. He lets himself, for the first time, be publicly identified with the ancient throne of the Jews. When he's killed in Jerusalem, they will indeed kill a king. So Jesus must accept the full implications of his destiny. Sooner or later, this is the time. And the names that go with it. Have mercy, bellows the man. Not just any a blind man, mind you, but Bartimaeus, the honorable number one son of misery. Of misery. Until now, Jesus has been healing good and faithful, but nameless people, anybody. This symbolic engagement is with a very specific someone. In order to be the Savior of us all, the Messiah, the Son of David, the Son of humankind, Jesus must first engage with the Son of misery. No amount of chiding or heckling on the part of the crowd is going to stop that misery's child from calling out, have mercy, have mercy. So the question I have to ask is, am I blind? When I am being miserable inside or to others, involved in whatever fear or flight or fight of the day, am I able to call for help? Are you? Will I know that Jesus is always passing by? Can I even recognize my own blindness? Can you? Bartimaeus knows perfectly well how blind he is physically, but seeing involves the mind, the emotions, and the will, too. You don't need eyes to see God. So who was really blind? Bartimaeus or the people who tried to shut him up? When Jesus called him, Bartimaeus sprang up, threw off his cloak, and came. The story says he was blind, not crazy. The cloak was the prize, sometimes the only possession of these beggars. At night it was their bed, by day it lay on the ground collecting the coins, the coins tossed by passing pilgrims. To throw it away is unthinkable, unless you know you're going to be able to see your way back to finding it again. It's not that Bartimaeus believed Jesus could help him. He knew it. And no doubt that knowledge was in the sound of his voice, and Jesus heard it. How radically different that is from so many of us who want to interview God for an internship in our lives, put him on probation, Jesus, while we see whether or not we like what he can do for us. But Bart Bartimaeus yells out, he has a cow. It's a cow... He owns, if you will, because he knows it's good. How many of us spend our lives trying to get our milk supply through the fence? Now, we are all given opportunities to meet Jesus along the way. But the kind of situation in which Bartimaeus found himself demanded an immediate, a straightway response. When would Jesus ever pass that way again? Well, of course, now we know the answer. Never in this lifetime, but... 
Who knew? So what occurred for Bart was a sudden confrontation with his fear of the unknown. Called by name in his own language, Bart springs up and comes to Jesus. He leaves everything behind, even before he's healed. In his own way, already seeing, he knows. So he follows. Frederick Beekner reminds us that the gospel was bad news before it was good news. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And Bart, he's got every reason to distrust God, who most people at the time thought that God was punishing blind people. That's why they were blind. But Bart sees, he knows, and he follows. Mahatma Gandhi collected prayers for peace from many traditions and cultures. Here is one from the Baha'i that describes the way, the way that Jesus would help us follow. God, let us be generous in prosperity and thankful in adversity. Be fair in judgment and guarded in our speech. Be a lamp for those who walk in darkness and a home to the stranger. Let us be eyes to the blind and a guiding light to the feet of the erring. Let us be a breath of life to the body of humankind, a dew on the garden of the human heart. Let us ourselves be fruit upon the tree of humility. We cannot forget that the word of God is inescapably prophetic. And so a life lived in faithfulness to that word will inevitably have a prophetic read hard dimension. Can we spring up and follow even while we know we're still blind? What cloaks will you have to throw away? 